Hey everybody, thank you again for joining me today for another episode of the NHS 100k podcast with me, Matt Taylor. Gone full circle today. I've been so excited about speaking to uh, to this gentleman. He was my first guest on here back in May and we've just been having a chat about the previous interview that we did and we didn't touch on half the stuff that we wanted to uh, talk about. So I've got Dr. Ali Ajaz on the show today and I'll kick it to you in a second. He is a consultant forensic um, psychiatrist with a private practice and he's got a, a long history of doing um, medical and legal cases where he's had to give evidence. And he, I first saw him in a, uh, a Kate Blewett in a documentary back a couple of years ago where he was um, discussing about what was going on. And I was really impressed because at the time, not many people were speaking out. And uh, since then, we've been, remained friends and we've been doing stuff. And he's been busy, which is good. And he's uh, started up Doctors for Patients UK, but I'm not going to say too much because I don't want him to, to uh, talk about it. But um, but yeah, he's been really busy and he's going to, I wanted to get him back on because we didn't talk too much about um, the behaviour side of things, even though he's a psychiatrist, but we're <laughs> too busy getting wrapped up and everything else. Um, so I've got him back today to go into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of that side of things, because I know you like to know how the brain works. And uh, hopefully today, um, Ali will be able to uh, basically explain to us just how much um, they've uh, done the juju on our minds. So welcome to the show, Dr. Ali Jazz. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Matt. Thank you for that great introduction. Hopefully I can live up to it. Uh, well, you know, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. So um, so we spoke last in May, didn't we? And we were both talking about back in May how we were, you know, there weren't that many people speaking out. Things have changed and you've, you've got yourself a, gro a group, a posse, a crew. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? And then we can uh, bounce back into your... Uh, your mind messiness that we've been experiencing for the last couple of years as well. Thanks, Matt. First of all, I have to th I have to thank yourself for introducing me to uh, the, the small group of doctors at the time that were setting up Doctors for Patients UK. Uh, and I got involved uh, and, and very quickly it started to grow as a group. And really our objectives were to have a space for doctors to think critically. And now that might may sound a bit insane because aren't doctors supposed to think critically? aren't doctors supposed to think independently and aren't doctors supposed to rely on the science and the research that's emerging uh, and aren't doctors supposed to have an open mind to change their views if something new comes on the table. Um, what we've seen through the COVID pandemic is that that's certainly not true and unfortunately it's not true for most doctors. So it was a struggle uh, to find like-minded doctors and I knew, knew they were out there and when I started to speak out, there was no one that I knew, no one that I could share ideas with uh, in terms of another uh, medical doctor. Uh, but this group really has been uh, a great place, a safe place for doctors to just to get together and to talk about science and to critique ideas, uh, critique current policy, look at the future of healthcare in a way that is, just doesn't happen in the NHS. It just, it just doesn't happen. NHS is an organization, it's an institution. And like most institutions, you have to comply. You can't change an institution, it runs from the top down. And in the NHS, we know it's not run by doctors, it's run by clinical managers or non-clinical managers um, and a combination of the both. And that's really been the case for about 20, 30 years uh, since the Lawson days. Um, and uh, you know it's it's really destroyed the NHS from 
the inside uh, to the point that we've got to, to what, what happened with the whole COVID debacle. Uh, and the science is even clearer than it was before, before we had concerns, major concerns. And now we've got actual evidence that none of this should have happened in the way it happened. Lockdown should have happened in the way they did. We shouldn't have treated our population like prisoners. And we certainly shouldn't have subjected them to uh, untested, unproven uh, experimental gene technology, uh, which is what I described it at the time when I first started speaking out. And, and it's, it, uh, this has been proven uh, and it continues to be the case. And what, what the fallout has been considerable suffering by lots of people uh, who've been, uh, and it's been unrecognized and the damage that this has been done. Uh, and people are still struggling day after day. So it's, um, uh, it, it's been quite a journey. Um, uh, and yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And, it's, and so, so the group that we've got together, we, we run essentially uh, meetings for doctors every week. Uh, and we have a, have a social media group where we're able to exchange ideas and papers uh, and videos and, and things like that. Um, and, and it's growing. And I think that's that's probably the key message I'd like to give out to, to all your, your viewers that, you know, doctors are standing up, doctors are getting together. Uh, and this is something that we're looking uh, to build over the long term, not a flash in the pan. Mm. Um, and it's going to take take a bit of time, but we will get there. I think this is probably the most significant group uh, that's come together of, of doctors uh, in, in the UK that uh, than ever before. So the potential is massive. We just got to make sure things are done right. Um, mm. And we, we, we had a recent press release from December where we've got a group uh, of about 18 doctors uh, speaking out uh, from all specialties, from oncology to cardiology to general practice to psychiatry. And it was the first time where doctors felt comfortable enough to come together and to do a video and put it out in the public sphere um, with the great potential for damage and harm. Some of the some of the colleagues in that were still working in the NHS. So high risk stuff, you know, they've got families, they've got financial commitments, uh, but really brave, brave doctors. Uh, and it caused a bit of a stir. And we had problems from our website and, and other things, you know, since then. Um, but, you know, we're, you know, it's really brought us stronger together. Uh, it's a group of over 100 doctors and you know, not everyone at the moment is at the point where they can speak up or where they feel comfortable. Uh, and there's a lot of doctors doing work in the background and, and there's some great things in the future that's going to come from this uh, group. So um, that's uh, that's my prediction, but also my gratitude to you, Matt, for, for making it happen for, for me to be part of uh, something quite special. Hey, my pleasure. I'll send you the bill in the post, mate. See what I mean? It's um, I tried. I should. What I should have thought. I thought about this a little while ago. I should have had a a group that I made a group right at the start of everybody that I've interviewed and put them all in the same WhatsApp group. Um, and then you know you can network from there. And then because it's all people from all walks of life, I've never really thought about. I don't have any time to do hardly this. <laughs> I can't give myself more stuff to do. Any, but anyway, it's not about me. You've um. I'm so proud of you, though. Well, in not a patronising way at all, but I'm so I'm so glad because obviously when we first met, first started speaking, I wouldn't have thought we would have got this far with stuff. You know, you just hope. Um, so it's amazing. I, I I sat in on a, on the first few as well, which uh, which are really interesting and good. And it's 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 I've been told 
from other doctors that I've spoken to that are in the group as well, that they've got more doctors to come on board and it's worked really, really well. So um, well done. It's a good job. Thank you. Job. Thank you. And, and it's just trying to get the confidence back into medicine and doctors. Hmm. I mean, medicine's been trashed through this whole thing. Anyone with two brain cells to rub together can see just how doctors and the medical model that we've got at the moment has, has failed, hmm. failed miserably. Um, and the, the faith in doctors... Uh, faith in medicine is at an all-time low. Um, yeah. People are happy to speak disparagingly about doctors openly. And I think there's due reason for that. It's not unreasonable. So we've got a lot of work to do to try and build up the trust mm. and the respect um, th that uh, you know w w that doctors should have if they're doing mm. their job right. But if not, then they're right to be pulled up on it. Uh, so, so hopefully that's just the beginning of, of trying to reclaim uh, and trying to repair some of the damage that's done. I think doctors are going to be a lot more on their toes now when patients go into uh, into appointments now, aren't they? I think uh, patients are going to ask more questions and not be fobbed off as easy. I hope. Anyway, got to keep them doctors on the toes. Well, if pa patients can navigate the AI that's coming in with trying to get appointments yeah. uh, and the computer interfaces that are there, uh, healthcare is changing. Um, doctors are more out of reach than they've ever been before. Uh, and it's pushing a lot of healthcare into the, the private sphere, um, yeah. which um, is attainable for some people, for but not for for a large group. Um, mm. So yeah, it's uh, you know things are ever changing. Is it the uh, the document? I think is it the five year plan NHS document, or is it the seven year plan? I can't remember which one it is that reads literally like some dystopian horror novel. Um, they want to make England the first. No, after New Zealand, is it they want to make England a no-smoking country, period, at some point within the next five years. They're going to do what? They're going to put in control measures to help you with your weight. <laughs> uh, or no, what was it? I think if you cannot follow a, a, a diet, basically, they'll take you somewhere where you could be given a calorie-restricted diet, um, which reads very much like they're going to put you in a room somewhere and slide your food under the table. I'll try and find the – it sounds it sounds horrendous, but – um it, it's a document that came out i think back in 20 do you know the document i'm talking about or am i just chatting rubbish no i think i'm familiar with it i've yeah. got the exact title of it though whether yeah well i think yeah i think it was plan. seven year plan or five year plan it's if you read that in conjunction with another document that they did they they're in combined with each other they're <laughs> it's horrendous um well, anyway we, sorry we, what, yeah well related to that what we're seeing is that if people aren't thinking and if people aren't standing up for themselves, mm. uh, then they're going to be pushed into a corner uh, and pushed into a position that they com become compromised and that someone's benefiting from it, but it's, it's not going to be the person. Uh, and I think you know, we haven't really gone into the, the nitty gritty of the stuff uh, so far for today when it comes to the, the mind and the psychology of what's happened. But I guess the overarching message is that if, if you stand up for yourself, then you've got a much better chance of having a better future um, and having positive change uh, than if you give that responsibility to someone else. If you give the responsibility of raising your kids to someone else, if you give the responsibility of earning a living and living with dignity to someone else, uh, then you know you, you kind of get what you ask for. Yeah, you can't moan at them if they're going to do a bad job of it, can you, really, at the end of the yeah, day? No, no, and they will, because everyone lets you down in life. <laughs> everyone lets you down at some point. Mm. Yeah, I think I've, I heard something today from someone. If you start your own business, uh, you have to be aware that your employees will not work as hard as you do because it's not their business. Absolutely. 
So if you know that, then you're not going to get angry at them um, if they're not prepared to do 15 hour days for nothing. <laughs> so, okay. So you've been busy, so stop showing off. All right. You've been getting together your crew, which is good. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. So it's been good. Um, the reason I got you on last time was because I really wanted to get into the nitty gritty of, of, of the psychological aspect and, 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 and what they've done. Because I think if people can understand how they've been duped, um, then, then it helps them, almost gives them a bit of a, um, a preemptive strike if it happens again, isn't it? If you know the, the, the rules and, and, and things. So um, take us on a bit of a deep dive then, Dr. Rajaz, please, on how you think they've worked their mind magic on us, basically. So I guess the first thing is that I, I don't think people should be so hard on themselves because once you understand human thinking and human behavior um and and reality check here that people aren't so different people aren't really that special or that unique you know we're all very similar we're all a lot more similar than we are different or unique uh, that's the first point especially in the way we think and we behave so if you're aware of how the mind works how people behave and how people think it's pretty straightforward to be able to manipulate their behavior uh, and we see this every day and it's been going on for decades when it comes to advertising, uh, whether it's billboards, whether it's TV, whether it's radio, uh, they're set up in a certain way because the advertisers, the, the, the psychologists involved in the advertisement industry, you know, advise on what works best, what gets our attention, what, what goes in the subconscious. When we're driving in our cars on the speed limit, 30 miles an hour, and we pass a billboard, you don't have time to see, see it. You know, it just flashes by. But so why is it positioned there? It's positioned there because your subconscious mind registers it, even though consciously, uh, you know, you, you don't know what, what was on it. Um, once you know how the mind works, uh, it's easy to, to, to manipulate. And we have to say that the, that the government who orchestrated uh, the response to COVID, who orchestrated the response to the vaccination program, should never have neither of those should should ever have happened um you know had they can't take all the credit they had a special group uh, called the spy b the spy b group and it was part of their the covid response network uh, and this spy b group i've got written down what it's what it stands for it's the scientific pandemic insights group which is essentially a behavior control unit right. uh, and that it was their task to Get the government to achieve their objectives so whether it was to make lockdowns more palpable um whether it was to get uh, vaccine uptake to whatever percentages they wanted uh to remove this hesitancy um uh, vaccine hesitancy so the language used uh mm. the, the 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 strategies were developed by these psychologists essentially and they were part of, very much part of the government group. And if you want to know more about it, there's there's a book written by uh, Laura Dodsworth, I've got it here, um, uh, a, a State of Fear, yeah. um, and it's excellent. It goes into, into a lot more detail about that. But, but essentially the government were employing behavioral psychologists uh, to advise them on how best to manipulate uh, the British public. Uh, and that's fact. Uh, so once we accept that, and once we accept, behavior is easily manipulated once you know how, how people think and how people behave. 
then really I think it was inevitable that most people would have gone along with it. You know, why should we think otherwise? Uh, there's always uh, a minority that don't for various reasons, but the majority go along with it. So I would say if you feel a bit duped, if you feel a bit embarrassed, or if you feel too too proud to admit that, then it's okay because it was inevitable. There's nothing really most people could have done about it. Uh, and that's the first really important message. Uh, and I think once you're, once you're less harsh on yourself, then there's a, there's a chance to really try and learn from what's happened. Um, we all make mistakes. We all make horrendous mistakes in our life. I'm sure you've done that, Matt. I, I've certainly done that. Um, we were supposed to make this mistake, though, weren't we? That, that's, that's the difference. They, they wanted us to, to make this mistake. Absolutely. But, but it's what we do from that. Um, a definition of stupidity, in my view, is not someone who makes one mistake, but someone who keeps making the same mistake over and over again and not learning from it. Mm. We only know what, we don't really know in life what the right thing to do is. I think that's beyond it. None of us can predict the future. Uh, but we can understand what the wrong thing was if we are able to reflect on our actions. So we never know what's right, but we can certainly learn what was wrong. Uh, and uh, you know, I think we just have to be honest and be able to reflect. Uh, and it's okay to make mistakes. We all do it. But I don't think it's okay to keep making the same mistakes without wanting to learn or needing to learn from it. Uh, mm -hmm. I think hopefully that's... That's a process to wisdom, gray hair and wisdom. Um, so, so, so it's fundamental um, to be able to reflect and to accept uh, mm. choices and the consequences of that. Um, so, if if you if you if you're open-minded enough, then then you're not going to make the same mistakes. Uh, but we're going to go a bit more into into what is it about this thinking and what is it about this behaviour uh, that. Uh, the psychologists and the and the government are aware of um and again it's 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 nothing complex it's pretty rudimentary uh, and i don't mean that in a disparaging way but it's, it's basic psychology uh which means you know everyone will understand it um and uh, i was mentioning before i've got my trusted um a level psychology textbook here it's the only still book. the post-it notes as well look all your <laughs> markers and stuff it's it's the only book that i've had uh, for over 20 odd years. I don't know why I kept it with me wherever I moved house, um, whenever I moved student digs, I just carried it around with me everywhere. And now I realized it was for today's meeting. And really, uh, just some of the things we're going to talk about are, are coming from A-level psychology. You know, it's not that advanced. Um, so the first thing I want to touch on uh, is uh, uh, just a few definitions Conformity, what is it to conform? Um, to conform is when you uh, change your behavior or thinking based upon you know, some group pressure or perceived group pressure. Uh, and the type of conformity is obedience. Uh, and obedience is when you do something when you don't necessarily have to believe in it due to a pressure. Um, so conformity is a type of thinking um, and obedience is that type of behavior. Uh, and the, the opposite to that is independent thinking is when you're not influenced by any social pressures. Uh, and I, you know, I would like to challenge everyone with a question. You know, when was the last time they had a truly independent thought? 
hmm. i.e. free of any social pressure. Hmm. Social animals, we're social beings, um, we're influenced all the time. I, I, I think very few people, if any, have true independent thinking. Um, and, and I don't mean to say that in a kind of defeatist way, but it's just the nature of us. Mm. Um, and we're going to talk about, you know, what some things you can do to kind of challenge that you're not being kind of led up the garden path or to the lion's den without realizing. Um, but it, I think this feeds into what we were saying before. You know, people really don't have independent thinking. People aren't that special. You know, this was inevitable for most people. Okay. Um, and so just to kind of highlight some, some of those uh, concepts, we've got some really kind of famous psychology studies. And I won't bore you with, with a lot of detail around them. Uh, but there was one uh, study around conformity uh, by Ash. Uh, and he, he got uh, groups of people together. Uh, and uh, he had three lines uh, and comparing it to a reference line. And he asked every, everyone apart from the, the last person was the was a person they were testing on. Everyone gave the false answer and they wanted to know whether this person would go with the majority or stick to what was quite obvious, the, obviously the right answer. And what he found was that 75% of people conformed at least once. So there's something in our nature that we urge towards conformity uh, when we're under some pressure, some social pressure. Um, when it comes to obedience, there's a, another famous Milgram uh, experiment uh, where, interestingly, they wanted to test whether conformity, sorry, obedience was a trait of the German people. So this was after World War II. Um, so, so they want to see, you know, is it, is it the, the Nazis and all the horrible things that they did, was that because, you know, it's just something to do with being German? Um, right, okay. I mean, the answer is obviously not. But what they found, so in this very interesting study where um, uh, you had uh, uh, you had someone playing the learner, so there was a test, a memory test, and every time the learner got a memory test long, wrong, um, you had the participant who, who was ordered um, to, to shock them. Um, and it wasn't a real shock, it was simulated, but the person giving the shock you know, didn't know that. Um, and each time they were told by the experimenter person in charge that they needed to give a shock. Uh, and there were different shock levels um, going up to intense and extreme. And everyone went up to the intense level, 100%. Uh, 65% went up to uh, the kind of dangerous level, and it had kind of dangerous level on the, uh, uh, on the machine they had. Um, so under some prompting, you know, we're very prone to being obedient creatures. Uh, and these these experiments, um, you know, really show just our real nature that you know under pressure we follow, under pressure we obey, even though it may lead to the detriment of of other people. Um, and 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 you know that's enough the psychology lesson. Um, but I just wanted to um, you know give a bit of background as to what what our psychology is. And none of this, I want people to take in a defeatist way, uh, that we have to accept it. Like, this is just what we are. So what are you saying? You know, how can we be different to our nature? Um, we have these susceptibilities, but you, know, you can't fortify ourselves. We can't strengthen ourselves uh, to, to make sure we're not, as I said, you know, led in, in difficult situations. Um, and 
what, what the studies have shown is that you're less prone uh, to conforming, you're less prone to being obedient um, if you deal with, if you're good at dealing with uncertainty. Uh, and we saw a lot of uncertainty, and I would argue that it was deliberate, it was mm. deliberate uncertainty around, you know, what what is happening? You know, is this a virus or is this the flu? Um, is this a virus that's deadly or is it a virus like the flu? Um, you know, what's happening in China? What's happening in Italy? People are dying, you know, mm. hospitals closing. Um, hospital workers making TikTok videos and dancing. What, what the heck is going on? Mm. Um, uh, you know, emergency hospital opening at the XL, uh, but no one really being, you know, admitted and it's no. being a waste. Like, what, what is going on? Lots of confusion. And I'd argue a lot, a lot of that was deliberate because the more uncertainty, uncertainty there is, the more anxiety that generates and the more you're likely to conform and to be obedient. Um, another aspect is gradual changes. So if someone changes a goalpost ever so slightly, every now and again, you find yourself being easily led to somewhere where you felt was inconceivable. So we started off uh, by being told, oh, this is um, no deadly than the flu. It's got nothing to worry about. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that was the official line. You know, at the, at, the, at the very beginning. Uh, and then, oh, no, we have to do lockdowns, but only for two weeks, just to save NHS. And two weeks. That worked. Yeah. <laughs> two weeks. And it, it wasn't to stop the spread. It wasn't to save people's lives. It was to save the NHS. But then two weeks turned <clears throat> to four weeks, turned to two months, uh, turned to longer, turned to not one lockdown, but two lockdowns. Um, and so on and, and so on. Um, one jab, uh, one jab to um, save the NHS mm. or to end the lockdown. Mm. Um, and then two jabs uh, to save your job. You know, two jabs so you can fly and be free. So it kind of changed to, to I think the most worrying state was, you know, if your neighbor isn't obeying, you need to call the police. Yeah. You know, so at the very beginning, when we were told if this uh, if this new virus, this is a new virus, it's as deadly as the flu. Don't worry. If we would say at that point, we'd be going to dobbing your neighbor in. <laughs> you know, it would be farcical. But if you just look at the gradual changes that happen, mm. you know, people, you know, it's this kind of shaping that happens, this chunking of behaviors. And you get to a point where um, it, it's inconceivable. It's just like being in a, uh, in a in a warm pan. If you increase the temperature slightly, you know you you're more able to tolerate it. Uh, but before you know it, you're at a really really high temperature. That if you jumped in that temperature in the first place, you'd be jumping back out. Mm. Um, so so th so this is you know the issue around gradual changes, but very sinister. Um, another two aspects, mindlessness. So if people are on autopilot, and I think unfortunately, most of us at some point in a day, but seemingly for large chunks of people's lives, uh, we're, we're on autopilot, we're, we're comfortable. You know, we, 
we've got routines. There's nothing new happening. Mm. We're not pushing ourselves. We're not growing. It's a stagnation that results in autopilot. And this is the individual responsibility we have to ourselves um, that we can't afford to be an autopilot because guess what? Who's in charge uh, of the controls? It's not you. You don't decide what auto, what, what, what the path is. Someone else decides that. Um, so this mindlessness um, is, is also fundamental. And it's something that we all have agency over. That everyone can control this. Uh, just how much we, we, we take life for granted. Uh, so if you're not working on something, if you're not in discomfort, actively finding some discomfort in your life, because in the discomfort comes growth. It's not the same as pain, but discomfort, you know, something that's not easy, something that's new, something that's different, uh, then you know, you're more likely to, to succumb to this autopilot mindlessness. Mm. Uh, and the final thing is social desirability. I mean, we all do that. We all... You know, we all want a good impression. You know, I, I dress like this because, um, you know, I think it's important for me to dress in this way. But also, you know, I think it gives a good impression. You know, I want people to think good of me. Like it, it's part of our makeup. We leave our front doors not in our pajamas because you know we want people to think good of you. And you know, we're walking down the street in pajamas isn't very, um, you know, doesn't say a great deal about you in a positive way. Mm. Um, uh, so it's when people take that to an extreme though mm. everything you do is based upon oh, what if so and so what will so and so think what will my boss think uh, you know what will my partner's family think uh, it's when every decision you make is based upon what other people think again you're not living your life you're living your life through other people and other people's standards uh, and we see a lot of that. So the more you do of that, the more susceptible you are to being in conformity and being in, in obedience. Um, so, so that's, I think, the fundamental themes here, the fundamental psychology that has been kind of hijacked. So do you think there's, because <clears throat> there seems to be more people that are susceptible to it than not. Um, is that is that do you think not not necessarily by design but do you think it's because life has got so comfortable for people now you can navigate through your whole life using the path of least resistance and never really put yourself under kind of any duress um and so you know that that builds up the anxieties do you think by design that's kind of happened they've made life really easy for us so we're a bit soft yeah i mean what we know is there's no such thing as a free meal mm. so if something is made easy on one hand then it makes something a lot more difficult um so uh youtube for example was free and revolution anyone could put a video up anyone could access it anywhere you know, amazing um you don't have to look anywhere else it's all on youtube everything's on youtube uh but then um you get advertisements on youtube oh you have to pay to get rid of the adverts okay fine i'll pay you get a feed that's based upon your the way you think. Uh, it's reinforcing your ideas. The feed is the same. It's the same based upon your search, based upon your worldview. You, know, you start to uh, think in a way that's limited, restrictive. Um, and then you're fed things in the feed to get you to think certain things in certain ways. 
So from something that was free and novel um, and really amazing on one hand has become something which uh, you know, controls the way you think and the way you behave um, in a way that you couldn't imagine. So there's, there are lots of tools out there that work in this way. Uh, and you know, I just caution around something, anything that's free, anything that makes our life easier, it's going to make something more difficult. Mm. Uh, so, so I think that's a big part of it. I think for sure, and we're all comfortable. But part of us, we we want we want security, yeah. but but people confuse that with um, ease. Mm. Uh, we want to be safe, secure, and safe. But mm. we don't want you know, we we don't need things to be easy, um, because that, that's when uh, you're more susceptible. Um, so it, it's key, and we all live easier lives. You know, Uber eats, deliver food, like junk food to your door. Mm. You know, it's just, you know, what's happening? You know, people can't even walk to the local pizza shop or local McDonald's now. You know, at yeah. least you were getting that bit of exercise. Uh, that doesn't even happen now. Mm. So, so things are making our life easy. You know, I, I always see that as a, as a red flag. Mm. But that that being said, then that would that would path of least resistance would have been to just conform and then wouldn't it do what they said and you know and when you look at it from even like you said from that basic behavioral aspect by default whether you're programmed to conform or not you're gonna you were probably susceptible and we're gonna take the jab based on whether you're a conformist or not yes but yeah. th there's there's a more fundamental aspect than that we all we all overestimate who we are and what we stand for and that's the other trap. And a big part of that is how we think we think. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Most people think that they base their decisions on uh, some independent judgment. So you've got an event that happens. Uh, and most people think, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to test the reality of that event. And I'm going to make my own hypothesis. I'm going to test it out. And then whichever hypothesis is proven, then I'm going to come to my decision. You know, it's mm. a scientific method, like scientific, not COVID science. You know, <laughs> something a bit different. So we're talking about the a pure scientific method is where you observe something happening, you have your hypotheses, you test them out, and you come to a conclusion. Most people think they think like that. But the opposite is true. Most people think based upon a construct that you, they're given, by some type of authority. And because, because they're fed something and because they're living their life on autopilot mode, this mindlessness, uh, what, they, what, what they tend to do is they, they take out all the noise around that, all the information that suggests that there's a different way of thinking about things. Uh, and they, they hold on even tighter to what they're being told. And, uh, and they believe that the other part of this trap, the big part of this trap, is that they think they're thinking in the scientific mode, but they're actually being fed um, what to think. So most people are, are told what to think, but most people don't know how to think. And that, I think, originates from, um, from childhood. So in many ways, this is what our parents do for us. When you're a child your parents think for you they tell you what they think mm. and you pick that up 
And that's fine as a child. But the problem we have is we've got grown adults thinking like children. And that's a big problem. You know, in my line of work, when we've got grown adults behaving like children, you know, they're diagnosed with a personality disorder. Mm. But we've got millions of grown adults thinking like children. Not necessarily behaving, but thinking. Um, and 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 this is perpetuated in our education system. No one tells you how to think at school. It's like another authority. So you go from your parents uh, to the school and the teacher, and you've got that authority. Mm. You go to the university, you've got that authority. And then you go to your job and your boss, you've got that authority. And you've got the overarching authority, which is the government. Uh, and you're constantly told what to think, but you're not taught how to think. Um, and, and this is incumbent upon all of us. I think, you know, there's, I think, a famous quote from Winston Churchill, uh, I'm paraphrasing, uh, but it goes along the lines of, you know, you don't, you're not, you don't really live a life if you haven't questioned everything that you think you know at some point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incumbent upon all of us. If we truly think we're independent, free thinkers, uh, you have to question everything. Not in a paranoid way, but in a way that actually I think is an obligation for each of us. Um, you have to reality test. You know, how do we question things? We reality test. We test it out. We think of, are there any alternative ways of thinking? Or we look at if there's any alternative evidence to, to what we think. So so, so this, um, it, it kind of comes from childhood, this type of thinking, you know, being fed, spoon fed. Um, and, and and I think that's why we, you know, most most adults, you know, that's what we're used to now. We're used to to, being told what to think, not how to think. And I think that's a, that's a crucial difference. It's interesting. I don't think a lot of people realise that either. If you, if, you know, you do think, but you think about what you were told when you were younger. Prime example, my wife's going to hate me for telling her this, telling this, but her dad said that the, uh, the, the white marks on the floor that we know is chewing gum were to keep the pavement stuck down. Okay. Right, she believed that until she was at least double digits. <laughs> so I think because no one questioned, like no one disproved what was said, if that makes sense, she had no reason to challenge that particular thing until <clears throat> I don't know she was into a double digit. So at least 10, 11, 12, maybe even you know, she's gonna hate me for saying this as well now. <laughs> but I think the point I'm trying to get at is if something as basic as that, as you were told that as a kid, and no one questioned or challenged it ever since, you go through life believing it until someone comes along and tells you that's not true. Well, that's absolutely right. And, and, and furthermore, what we've got our, our government, our politicians behaving more and more like our parents. So I mean, who's the government supposed to be? The government are supposed to be a group of administrators that we elect in a democratic society, um, if we believe in that concept, that, that we're supposed to elect to represent us, to run the country. They just make sure the infrastructure is there. They need to make sure the money is distributed in our healthcare. Um, they need to make sure everything runs smoothly. Contingency planning when the weather's bad, you know, flood defense, military defense, and all those things. But they're not supposed to incringe on our day-to-day um, rights, way of thinking, way of life, our autonomy, the way we raise our kids, the way we 
earn a living. Uh, and, you know, this has been a, a kind of insidious growth, an insidious tumour, you know, over many decades. Um, that on one hand, the government says, oh, you know, we're here for you, we're looking out for you. Um, but nothing far, but nothing is further from the truth than, than anything. Um, and, you know, I think, I think it's very important to be able to give some examples of this. Uh, and, and a couple of these that I've selected uh, are, are quite shocking. And sometimes the, the extreme examples get the point across. Mm. You know, how do we know, how can we reality test this idea that our government isn't looking out for our best interests? Now, if we can disprove it once, then it proves the point mm. that we can't trust them 100%, that we need to have some critical thinking. Just once, if we, if we disprove that idea, that hypothesis, it's not, to say, it's not to say it's a malevolent force, that all politicians are a certain way, but it just shows that we need to have some discernment whenever we get fed some information. Uh, so, so how can we reality test this hypothesis that the government is, is looking out for our best interests at all times? You know, because that's what we want, right? That's what we're told. It's not some of the times, and other times we're not. You know, it's all of the time. So, uh, so there's a, there's a couple of examples, um, and so the first one's shocking. The second one's even more, I think, thought provoking. Okay. Um, so, so I've got an article here right in front of me from uh, from the Mail Online, uh, I'm not an avid reader of the Mail Online, but- Good quality source. <laughs> <laughs> I do think something worth uh, worth reading. And so mm. this is an article from the 9th of July, 2015. Uh, and I'll read you the headline and I'll, I'll go through, through bits of it. Uh, so the headline reads, how British government carried out secret biological warfare, te warfare tests on London tube passengers in 1960s during Cold War. All right. What do you think that? As we drop it in there, like. New research suggests Britons were exposed to chemical tests. Biological warfare tests are apparently more widespread than once thought. Professor Ulf Schmidt said there were secret trials in the tube in 1964. Mock chemical warfare tests on thousands of Britons from 1953 to 1964. And, and the article goes into a lot more detail about this the uh, over 700 operations uh, over 4000 kilograms of chemical zinc and cadmium that was dispersed in certain areas of the UK um, chemical exposure during underground testing unknown to people um, other people have been told they were uh, being tested on when it comes to common cold but they were being exposed to toxic chemicals deliberately, um, all from who? Uh, all from the UK government 20 or so years before I was born. Hmm. Yeah, not that long ago. No. Why? Why were they doing it? It's a very good question. It's a question that, you know, I'd, who can have the answer for unless you've got a whistleblower but what it does help to do is to to challenge 
this idea that the government look out for its population at all times, hmm. forever. And, hmm. you know, th this is horrendous. Um, and this, but this fact is not disputed. You know, this is not a conspiracy theory. Hmm. You know, we're not going on some conspiracy theory online.net. Mm. Uh, it's, it's the mail and it's you know it's about eight years old it's still there it's not been retracted but this is fact um and you could argue that oh you know it was a different government back then but it's the idea of government i mean did people back then think it was okay that did we, sorry did people back then think that their government was capable of this no mm. so why should we be so comfortable in thinking that our government you know, is any different. And if we think about governments, in, in essence, they, they should be, and they are on one level, glorified administrators. Hmm. They're all kind of pomp and, uh, you know, posture, but they're administrators. Um, as other people pulling the strings, it's just how it works. Hmm. There's a layer above governments. You know, they're just there for our, amusement because most of them uh, are caricatures of real human beings mm. that's my polite way of saying perhaps yeah it's um it's difficult because back in the day in the 1800s or that there would have just been a lynch mob wouldn't there that would have dragged them out of parliament put them in the gallows maybe hung them if, if they weren't doing their jobs properly we seem to have lost uh, we've lost our mojo. We've lost our fight. And even nowadays, you speak to people and they say, well, every generation, you know, has to go through it. It doesn't make it okay that every time we have the Tories in, we we have austerity. And every time we have Labour in, they get us into horrendous amounts of debt. And yeah. the cycle perpetuates for all time. Um, doesn't mean it's okay. We just need to snap people out of the um, of the spell. But anyway, sorry, continue. Sorry. So, so, so I think that's one example that's irrefutable, that your government doesn't look out for you. Uh, so if it's happened once, you know, we just have to be on our guard that it can happen again. So, so you need to reality test. You need to ask yourself. You need to stop being mindless. And that's one way of making sure we don't get in this mess again. You know, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a paramedic, whether you're a member of the general public, it doesn't matter. You know, there's, there's enough here I mean, I'm not even talking about the jabs and the evidence that's come up. We're talking about something that's well established, you know, long before this. Um, so, so I think it's safe to say that government, all government, that our government doesn't act in the best interests of its people at all times. Mm. The other thing, that, that. yeah, <laughs> and and the other thing related to that is this narrative. So we get official narratives from our government. There's one thing about behavior, there's another thing about thinking. So uh, we know the government doesn't behave towards its population, for this example at the, uh, the Mail Online. But what about thinking? What does the government do when it comes to uh, encouraging certain types of thought? We get official narratives that we conform to, that we accept. So the official line. So we can have another hypothesis. Is every official line given by the government truthful? I.e., should we take it without questioning? Mm. 
or is there room for um, some critique, some mm. constructive criticism? Now, the government will tell you there's no need to think. We've got this covered. You know, see, say it's sorted. You know, we've got it covered. Um, that, that's that's you're not from London, Matt. Sorry, it's a, a London centric kind of joke. We have this in our underground system here. Uh, if you see something, you say it and we'll sort it. You know, it just goes on and on and on. You know, it's keeping people in a state of fear that something is imminent, something's going to happen, be on your guard. So the government's like, you know, government are saying we've got it covered. No need to think here. Just look elsewhere. You know, just believe what we're saying. I would argue that you know, we need to give some discernment around this. And the second example I'm going to use um, is related to the 7-7 bombings. Uh, so one of the biggest terror attacks uh, uh, that's taken place uh, in the UK in a long time. Um, and it's not a thing to joke about. Um, but it is an area of interest of mine, of clinical interest. I'm currently doing a research degree in uh, extremism, radical behavior, but also personal interest as well. Because ever since 9-11, you know, I've been the demographic, demographic you know, Asian guy with a beard. My beard used to be bigger than this back in the day, uh, that was uh, synonymous with uh, terrorism. You know, Muslim equals ter terrorist, like mm. accept it. You know, just like we say, we accept now that Russian equals scum. You know, mm. That's what we're being told. It's fine, fine to be racist, you know, when, when we're telling you who the boogeyman is. Mm. So, so there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a couple of reasons why I'm um, interested in the second example. Now, if I was to tell you that on 7-7-2005, um, there was a particular character that is perhaps more important than the alleged bombers. Um, his name is Peter Power, and he's a, he was a security consultant for the UK government. He'd been involved a year before 7-7-2005 in a panorama program that simulated uh, a terrorist attack that had three underground bombs and one overground bomb, and he was part of that program. Kind of sounds familiar to pre-COVID simulation. Mm. That, you know, there's some that's something that got aired, something that paved the way, but that's the least disturbing part of what I'm going to say. What's even more disturbing is that there was a mock simulation that was scheduled to have three underground bombs, one overground bomb, at the same time, in the same place, on the same day, morning of the 7-7 attacks. A mock simulation that right, became wait, wait, a live, that became wait, 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 a live wait, simulation. Hold on a minute, sorry, hold on. So they did a mock simulation that took place on the actual date that the 7-7 bombings happened? Yes. So this right. was this was scheduled three bombs on the same station stations and one bomb on a bus simulated and they went from simulation to real time. And this Peter Power character well came on, believe it or not, BBC News, ITV News on the same day and admitted this. And you can go, you can YouTube 
Peter Power, 7-7, ITV News. It's still there. The clip is still there. Maybe I'll give you a link to that mm. and you can put it in, in, in the notes perhaps uh, of this podcast, but it's there. And so hold on, I, I want to make sure I'm not getting this confused. So on the day that they were doing the exercise, the actual bombings happened. Bombings happened in the same place that they, and at the same time that the simulation took place. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. I'm with you now. So, okay. So, right. so two, two coincidences. Well, three, four. Four. Yeah. But, yeah. I would yeah. argue what are, the, what are the chances of terrorists attacking at the same time, at the same place, in the same way that a simulated terror attack mm. had been coordinated with the permission of the UK government? I mean, what are the chances of that? You're going into conspiracy theory territory now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's very very uncomfortable. But this is a fact, you know. And we've got evidence of Peter Power being interviewed on ITV News. It's still available. I'm surprised, but it's still there. And he's like grinning. He's like, yeah, you know, we would go simulation, and then we into real time action. Um, it's uncomfortable, and I don't know. You know, I don't have anything else to say from that. Hmm. You know, it caused a lot of havoc. A lot of people died. You know, it was because there was supposed to be a, a a bomb that went off on the underground, but didn't he? Didn't it go off or malfunction? I can't because there were the one went off on the bus. Yeah, and then there was another one that was there was a gentleman that was supposed to go off under the in the underground, but I can't remember whether whether he bottled it or it malfunctioned or something happened. But only I can't remember. He's oh, crikey, it was ages ago. But that, that's because I remember being in London. Um, I had a friend that was working in the ambulance service mm. at the time. Mm. And he'd just come off nights. And I think, yeah, one malfunctioned, I think. One was on the bus. And then I'm sure there was supposed to be one that was supposed to go off in the underground. And if that had happened, so then that would have been on the bus and in the underground, which is exactly what they what, what they simulated as well. So there would have been even more. Yeah, I mean, there, there was at least one that went off in the, in the underground. Mm. Uh, and people died. Um but what are the chances? You know, it's, it's you know, I, I don't know what the statistical number for you know, highly mega unlikely. I don't believe in coincidences. Um, so, so when we've got factual information like this, you know, it does, you know, we have to question the official narrative. Um, and it's not saying that people didn't die and bad stuff didn't happen and there were bad guys involved. But we have to question what the government are telling us about this. Um, it's difficult, it's hard, but I'm using a, an extreme example here because I think anyone who's listening to this is on the fence. You know, I don't want to give them any room to wriggle on that fence. Um, and I've never spoken about this before, uh, but it just feels as though it's the right time because what happened with COVID, you know, how we're played, it's not the first time it's happened and it's not going to be the last time we could argue that throughout our lives there have been aspects of behavior control manipulation by our governments you know in different ways um and we can use different examples um this is something that you know, we're all familiar with we've all accepted to some degree in our lives so that we've been affected so COVID was inevitable. The impact, the influence was inevitable because we've been 
we've been softened up for this. And then we had the technology to make sure we were isolated, but still connected, you know, because it would have been uproar. Mm. It would have been uproar, but it's, it's another way to kind of get, get that message through that you need to behave. You know, without technology, none of this would have happened. Uh, so it kind of came together in this way because it could. Um, so, so I think when, when you accept uncomfortable truths, um, I think you're more inclined to question next time. And you know, we're together, we came together from the COVID and the jabs, but this is bigger than that. Mm. It's deeper than that. Um, uh, and you know, you've had lots of people on your show, amazing job, really. Uh, to, Thank you. To give you evidence and expertise questioning the COVID. And, and that's why I've not really spent too much time on that today, mm. you know, because there's far better people than me. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to mind and mind control and behavior um, and how things really work, you know, this is, you know, one layer of that. Uh, and it, it's an honor just to be, be able to talk about that. And yeah. uh, it's not my intention to offend anyone by the examples I use. Um, but, you know, we can't hide from the from the truth. No. And it segues nicely into a question I've got here. Do you think they'll be able to do it again? Because now they've played it once. For me once, you know, for me twice and all that kind of stuff, you know. So I, I do think there'll be a few people that will still succumb to it, which brings me to another point I'll speak about shortly. But they, they've they've kind of played their hand now, do you think? Or do you yeah. think they'll wait another 10, 15 years until we've forgotten about it? Well, one thing's for sure. Uh, things happen in cycles. Um so in many ways, you could you could think of it. Well, you know, what happened wasn't really targeted at us, you know, because in 20, 30 years we'll be gone. You know, it's really what this is making acceptable for our children and the younger generation. Mm -hmm. And when we're old and crusty, or you know, uh, you know, six feet underground, you know, no one will remember. Um, so so there's I, I think. There's that part of things, you know, what, what, what is this normalizing for our children? And you know, what will come won't be the same thing. You know, things evolve. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it, it's, it's what's inconceivable, because this would have been inconceivable for us three years ago. Yeah. Um, so it's probably something we can't think of. <laughs> no, you, you're right. You are so, right. <laughs> You are right. Because I think if you'd have uh, said to anybody, we're in this situation now, when you just mentioned at the beginning, you know, with the lockdowns and the, the way we were, when you, when you line it all up like that and think, oh, geez, you know, they, they did do that. <laughs> they really did do that to us, you know, and you got to look back and go, we can't, brain wants to forget about the horrible times really quickly, but you need someone like yourself to remind you, go, ah, 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 no, they were, they were naughty. And, and, and just, just on that, you reminded me about that. We've got some people um, in, say, like truth movements and things like that, talking about uh, mass formations and psychosis, mass formation psychosis. You know, I, I don't like that term. I think it's fundamentally flawed. Um, you know, people aren't in psychotic, hypnotic trances. You know, we talk about spells and, and it's slightly different. You know, someone's under a spell or 
you know, we're more talking about psychology and how that's been manipulated. You know, if we use things like terms like mass formation psychosis, really what you're doing is using a derogatory term to counter something like an anti-vax. You know, that's another derogatory term. You know, anyone who speaks out as an anti-vaxxer, um, uh, anyone who uh, advocates for the for the jabs uh, is a um, uh, someone who uh, you know falls for this in this mm. way. Someone who is under a mass formation psychosis. I mean, it's it's scientifically flawed. Um, fundamentally, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense. I like to I like to look at things by way of a formulation, a way of understanding rather than a term or a soundbite. Um, mm. So, so, so that, that's, that's always a bit of a bugbear I wanted to get out uh, somehow. Thanks for the uh, opportunity. No, 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 it's fine. I, I, I think you're right, though, in what you're saying, because it goes back to another point I wanted to make from earlier on when you were saying, you know, we, we have to move on from this. And I've been banging on about this in the last few podcasts as well. We need to admit that there's a problem or at least acknowledge that there was a problem in the first place for us to then recover from it to, 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 to then, you know, for it to not happen again. And we're not, uh, some of us are admitting it and we're getting there, but not enough of us admit, but through fear of feeling like they've, they're wrong. It's, it's, if you know what I mean? And it's like, look, get over yourself. All right. <laughs> you could have seven jabs. You can have no jabs. It doesn't matter. I don't care. We just need to agree that there was a problem and it wasn't done right. We need to make sure it doesn't happen again. And we're getting there slowly, but there's a lot of egos in there that's, you know, intertwined in all of this. And lots of people don't like a, like being wrong. No, no, but but I would say as long as people can admit it to themselves, it's fine. Yeah. Because that, that will increase the chance of things not happening again in the future in this way. Mm. Um, as long as you can admit it to yourself. Um, uh, I think that's okay. Mm. Uh, uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a difficult landscape. We've got so many distractions, you know, constant distractions um, in the world around us, constant uncertainty. Uh, and now, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking, well, you know, it's old news. You know, we've got all this facing us now. We've got uh, economic upheaval, petrol prices, inflation, War in Ukraine, uh, World Cup. Well, that's gone now. Harry um, Meghan. Uh, Harry, Harry, <laughs> Harry, Harry and Meghan. Got a shoe on in everything, aren't they? You know, it's yeah. Like, Greta Thunberg uh, getting fake arrested in Germany. Yeah. Did you see that one? That was. That was I missed funny. that one, but oh. uh, you know, mm. and we've got characters like uh, Andrew Tate, Jordan Peterson, kind of you know, you know, lots of lots of things being been used as distractions. What do you, what's your take on Jordan Peterson, though? That's a good, I mean, I'm not bothered about Andrew Tate, I, I, but Jordan Peterson, because I've listened to a lot of his stuff and, and I, I'm finding, I find it quite compelling to listen to because um, he, you know, he, he has got a, especially when he was talking about the, the gender pay gap and stuff with the Channel 4 uh, woman. I remember him going on to Joe Rogan and speaking about that afterwards and, and saying she was normal, then she turned into this beast and then she was normal again afterwards. And he was just like, wow. But you know he, he did really well in that interview, and I don't, I don't, I like his brutal honesty with with the things. Um, but he's he's been getting some flags. He's, he's got to go for behavioural counselling, hasn't he, or social media counselling or something? He's got to go and do. But um, anyway, what's your thoughts on the on on the gentleman? Well, well I like you. Think he he talks a lot of uh, a lot of sense. Mm. Um, uh, he's very direct, and he's very eloquent, very articulate, and in many ways, in the way that. 
people wish deep inside that I wish I could speak like that. Hmm. You know, and I think like that when when I hear him talk. So so there's a there's a charm and charisma around his direct abruptness um, that's very compelling uh, and refreshing as well hmm. because we get uh, you know usually what we're used to seeing are, are people um, who are just reading the script uh, and not stimulating thought. And when you get someone who does that and someone who stands up for what they believe in, uh, it kind of stands out and it's it's appealing. And it's appealing mm. in a, I think, in a, in, a, in a fantasy way. We all have fantasies. We all have dreams and desires. And in a way that we all wish that we could stand up for something we believed in, in that way. So, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's very compelling. It's very compelling. And, you know, he talks a lot of sense. And like everyone, just because you, you like someone or you like a speech they gave doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they've ever said. Yeah. Um, but in these days, when you're getting attacked in the mainstream, you know, th th there's something to pay attention to uh, because we are in this cancel culture now. Um, and, and that's, you know, not something that's a, a originated organically. It's not something we're accustomed to. Um, but if you step one foot out of line, you're going to be canceled. Yeah. Raised, banned. Um, and, you know, this is again, where did this come from? When, when was that okay in a, a free society? Um, yeah. People get offended all the time. Not to say that's okay. Mm. But, you know, when I was growing up, you know, people were being offended left, right, and center. It's just the nature of living, nature of people having different divergent views. So on one hand, we're being told that, you know, everyone, everyone is valid. Everyone's ideas and thoughts and wishes and whims are valid, except these people who can't think in this way or say in this way. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to offend someone. Uh, so, so this is abnormal, but there's intense, intense pressure to conform and to be mm -hmm. obedient and to accept it. Uh, and I think in many ways it's it's more intense than a jab. It's more yeah. intense than lockdowns. This is a lot more pervasive than that, because if this goes to the core of uh, many people's fundamental views about life, you know, we we get comfort in facts. You know, we get comfort in knowing what's real. If you're put under pressure to give that up to give up a fact that you know is so true in order to comply, in order not to get heat. I have to ask, what else is there left of your life if you can give away facts under pressure? You know, what, what kind of, you know, there's no dignity. Yeah. There's no life. You're, you're finished. You know, you're, you, you know, the, the level of submission that requires you know, is hard to accept. Do you think that's maybe why people are having a harder time, you know, accepting that the jabs can cause problems and that evidence has come out because, um, because of that exact reason? I think in part. Um, I mean, if you've, I, I think people are, are a lot more selfish in, in, in some way. Uh, I think you, you were either for it or against it. If you were for it, you would have advocated it. So mm. other people are likely to have taken it 
on your advice or you've encouraged someone uh i think that's difficult to to, to accept to say well mm -hmm. okay it was wrong and i gave someone the wrong information and put them potentially at risk i, yeah. I think that's more of a self-preservation um uh, mechanism um and it's slightly different to a behavior control and manipulation that's happening with um uh this the council culture threats the uh it's a, it's a type of extreme liberalism mm. you have to accept anything even if yeah. i feel that's the case for five seconds you have to validate it you know you you can't you can't say these days that oh okay fine you know you can do what you want but you know i'm not going to support it that's not good enough you have to submit and you have to support and encourage something you don't believe in you know, yeah. and again this is insidious this is crept up on us somehow and it's intensified you know post covid it's 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 rife now um and it comes back down to the fourth factor that we talked about is social desirability i don't care if you like me or not i don't care if you're offended by my values i'm going to stand up for what i believe in mm. you don't have that social desirability you don't have that mindlessness because you're actively engaging you you protect yourself from this uncertainty and this is a way to give you the tools uh to fortify yourself from being manipulated in this way that we you know happen for, for all of us to do varying degrees i i read something the other day and you know the i think what it was it's spurred me on to, some people don't have that inner voice in their head you know some of us talk to ourselves and some of us don't have that voice and i read an article no it was a paper i think it was uh, but anyway it doesn't matter i read something and it basically was saying the voice isn't you it's your ego um so so it's your ego your ego that's oh don't do that so it's not you as a person telling you not to do that that's your ego which is your your like protection and that's where the whole kind of conforming thing comes from so your ego is oh no don't do that because your ego is protecting you from what it thinks may harm you from a embarrassing perspective or you know public speaking for example the amount of people mm -hmm. i'm speaking to trying to get on here to say something and they all agree with everything that i say but they just freeze up when it comes to public speaking <clears throat> excuse me so you know i i fully appreciate that with people it's not easy to do that sort of thing um but i do sometimes uh i do sometimes wonder you know i've lost my train of thought and this is what happens <laughs> i completely lost my train of thought where i was going with it but it was it was more about oh yes yeah, sorry basic yes yeah, sorry see this is what happens so much stuff in your head. anyway so they were saying that the that your ego tells you these things it's not your voice telling you not to do this it's your ego protecting you to keep you in the cocoon that your ego's kept you in for your whole entire life uh and like you said if you don't put yourself in, in 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 risky situations or situations you're not comfortable with you won't grow that cocoon and your ego will always keep you in that protective kind of bubble and you'll never come out of it because you're in a person well what you think is you but it's not it's your ego saying don't do that yeah i mean uh it's very it's a great point and it fits in very nicely to what we, we spoke about because things are complex so we, we talked a lot about the external uh but you know what's happening in here you know how is this running you know we're susceptible to this external influence but you know, how does the mind work um and it's not just you you're absolutely right uh and there's levels to this first level and what you're referring to is, is a type of separation model 
um, where there's different components of you. Um, and I often refer to a great book by uh, Dr. Steve Peters uh, called The Chimp Paradox. And I get our clients and, and patients to, to, to read it because it's really helpful. Uh, and what the contention of the, back, of, of the book is, uh, is that whenever something happens, you have to process something. It, it gets filtered through your emotional centers first. And uh, Dr. Peters refers to this as the chimp. Uh, so it's something that's emotional, but actually quite strong as well. Um, and unless you actively try and manage that chimp, it's going to behave in a erratic way, or it's going to behave in a way that you know is you know, puts you susceptible to manipulation. So if something comes in and your chimp gets scared, you're going to get scared, mm -hmm. and it's quite intense. It's like powerful. Um, so you have to try and manage that, but it's an active process. If you can't manage your chimp, you're going to be in a high state of anxiety. Yeah. And then what we know is when you're in a high state of anxiety, your rational thinking goes offline. So you mm -hmm. can't be highly aroused and also highly rational at the same mm -hmm. time. You know, we're not made that way. So it's incumbent upon all of us to try and manage our chimp in that way, using the book's analogy. Yeah, uh, and, and there's many ways of doing that, but it's the point is it's a proactive process that if you don't invest time in questioning what you're thinking, why you're feeling what you're feeling, then in many ways you're going to be led, and you will make the mistake. We think the voice in our head or the feeling we get is me; it mm -hmm. defines me. But that's a fundamental error. In many ways, the voice in our head is a product of our life experiences. If people have had traumatic experiences or, or abusive relationships, you internalize external voices inside your head uh, and you think it's you. Hmm. So you keep you, you keep getting into bad relationships or you, you keep find it, keep getting yourself into risky situations. Oh, why? Why? Mm. But, well, there's, there's an answer why you you're listening to you think that voice in your head that's telling you to do things or to pick this guy or pick this girl uh, that you know is bad for you. <laughs> you think that's you. You think that's a reality, but often it's not. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, the work doesn't stop from the outside. If you've got all those bases covered, you think you're okay. No, you know, there's, there's a lot of internal yeah. work, work, work as well. Uh, and having some idea, and even if that's the level that you go to, you know, I think that for most people that's enough. I just need to challenge the thoughts in my head as well as, you know, what's said uh, uh, externally. Yeah. Um, you know, question everything. And mm. again, not in a paranoid way, but in a healthy way. Yeah. And I think that's what I try and say to people because, you know, I got so many messages after I had a few, when I had Dr. Arsimo Hotcher on and when I had Andrew, uh, Andrew M uh, MP Andrew Bridgen, I got so many messages from people go, what they like. Well, and I was like, I don't care what they're like. No, 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 no. But what they like, because you got to speak to them out, you know, off, off air and all this, like you get some sort of code. I was like, I don't care what they're like. What I care about is what they're doing. Right? I don't care what he does outside of work, as long as it's not, you know, nefarious and illegal. But I don't mm -hmm. care what he's, 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 he's doing the right thing in my eyes with what he's saying and what he's doing. So therefore, I don't care what he's like, because he's putting himself out there on the front line. And they both are trying to spread, as are you and everyone else, trying to spread the message. So I don't care what they're like. I mean, it's handy that I like most of you, but what I'm saying is I don't care because we can still have the, the same, we can have a difference of opinions, but have the same goal at the end of the day. And people need to 
remember that as well that you can still not like somebody but still be like uh, most people have more things in common that they like or that they agree on than they don't disagree that they, they, than they disagree on don't they that that's the thing and again yeah. i read something somewhere else saying if you're going to start a conversation with somebody you don't like start it by saying listen we're going to agree on more than we disagree on no i i agree completely um uh, we're more alike than we are dissimilar mm. uh, and we, we look on kind of around us the world around us there's so much the kind of division divisiveness to try and separate people mm. um, and again these institutions that's what kind of comes from whether it's um you know attack on masculinity or attack on uh, you know uh, feminists or attack on religions or you know they're all based upon certain constructs and institutions certain ideas mm. um, you know, it wasn't like this before. It was like a human being. And people knew how to respect each other uh, on the whole. Mm. We don't need people to, to tell us how to respect each other. And it's a divisive more than anything. And it's it's kind of polarizing. You know, things are very polarizing. Mm. Um, but again, you know, there's ways of protecting ourselves against this. Uh, and it's just that mindfulness. Um, the more we think about it, you know the more of a mindful things are mm. um but that doesn't mean we should lose hope uh because the, the, there's certain laws that this universe is based upon now whether you believe that's from god or another being or just the way it is you know, th th there's laws um and one, one of the laws and i've seen this from in my own life but also you know there are hundreds of people that i've kind of worked with is that nothing's going to change Mm -hmm. unless you take the first step and often that first step is uncomfortable uh, often it's in the unknown um, often it's something you maybe never conceived doing five ten years ago but nothing's going to happen nothing's going to fall on your lap mm -hmm. but if you have the right intention and you take a positive step you're going to have some short-term discomfort i think that's relatively inevitable yeah. And something good's going to come out of it. Yeah. Uh, equally, you know, as much bad you have, there has to be an equal and opposite good. Yeah. Otherwise, the world would implode. You know, you can't have, you know, all this bad and, you know, it's every, uh, things are still working. And the media has a role to play in this because all the news is just every something that's terrible. And mm. media's a whole, maybe a whole different. Uh, interview, yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> but but everything can't be bad. There needs to be balance. There's balance in the world. You know that's another universal law. Mm. Uh, for for every bad thing, there's something that's balancing it with good. Yeah, uh, and yeah, you know, you don't need evidence-based medicine for this, and the relative fallacy that that is. Like, we don't need <laughs> scientists and people in white coats and doctors and professors telling us these things. You know, it's another thing we've lost is intuition. Mm. You know, we're kind of we're we're kind of um, uh, you know rolling it out to other people to tell us how to live. Mm. You know, we don't need all this. We've never needed it. And and mm. so these are laws that I think if people reflect, they can see. Yeah. Uh, and there has to be balance. So with all this, we talk about a lot of terrible things, Matt. Um, uh, but I think. There has to be hope that comes from that.
because there is something in the world that's balancing what's going on here. And if we all tune into it somehow, uh, then, then, then change, which is inevitable, can happen in a better or worse, depending on how many people are tuned into what. Uh, and I don't think it requires everyone to do that. Just enough. Just enough. Yeah. And that's about life. It's what I tell, tell my clients, tell my patients. It's about being good enough. Yeah. This idea of perfection is a fallacy. Mm. It's a waste of time. It's yeah. about being good enough. So what is good enough? And the beauty of that is only you know what's good enough. And you need to trust yourself. Mm. And, and maybe that's that's the positive message that perhaps I'd like to leave on. Yeah, I think that is, to be honest with you. I, I, I usually ask people for final words, but I think that's that's good. That's good. Tell people, please, um, where they can find you or what, what you're getting up to in the future, if, if that's all right, just to, you know, what, you, what you're doing with yourself and the group. Yeah, so uh, so the gr group uh, is uh, is a priority, really, uh, alongside uh, my family and my work. The group is a priority. So our website is doctorsforpatientsuk.org. Um, that's for F-O-R, doctorsforpatientsuk.org. Um, uh, and there's also a, a Twitter handle, docsforpatientsuk, uh, and that's with a number four, not to confuse people, but it's going along, uh, along the bottom here. Um, uh, and really uh, developing that, having, uh, it's very important uh, for us to have some uh, patient engagement. You know, we're calling ourselves doctors for patients. So what are we doing for patients? So uh, just watch your space because there's things uh, that we're working on in order to um, you know, make a difference for, for patients. And as doctors, patients always are priority, mm. uh, uh, not service users. Patients. Yeah, I know, right? This this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know when that started to happen, isn't it? Service users. Hang on, what, what, what do you mean? Patients? You mean like real people? Service users. It completely yeah. detached the human, humane side of it away, doesn't it? Just strips it away. I mean, the only user I was used to before that was drug user. And so yeah, yeah. Negative connotations for me. So I'm like, I'm a service user. But a patient. I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be a derogatory term if doctors are going on the basis of collaboration like we work together we're a team mm. i'm the doctor yeah. the patient we're a team um so so, <laughs> so going back uh to it so so we're working on um uh you know uh, a lot of things related to to patient outreach and i think that's a priority um and uh, i've got got my own website uh dr uh, advertises a bit of my, my own private practice and the, and the things i'm doing um, there's a, there's a, there's a documentary that I'm working on, which is quite interesting. Um, and, uh, I think that will definitely be another episode because it's a, it's a very juicy topic. Nice. Uh, I'm about, about to start filming on that. So, so lots of interesting things. Um, but, but again, none of this would have happened. None of this would have happened, Matt, if I hadn't just put my foot down in the NHS and said, look, mm. this is enough yeah you know this is wrong and i'm going to stand up for this um that none of this would have happened mm. um and you know i've met amazing people along the route uh, and you being one of them you know yeah. without doubt yeah. and i don't say that lightly um 
so so yeah so so i'm i'm looking forward to 2023 um yeah. and uh, i'm looking forward to um catching up with you again in in due course hopefully if you have me back always always Dr. Ajaz, always. I, I'm feeling a lot more positive about this year than last year. The, this, the, the stuff that's come out has been brilliant. I still don't know about Elon, but I think it's funny what he's doing. It sounds like he's having fun. Um, it's been interesting, the stuff that's been coming out. Because for us that have been kind of like ear to the ground, it's just cemented the stuff we've already been kind of trying to say, really. So yeah, it seems I mean, a bit of a climax, doesn't it? A little bit. but You're provoking me here, Matt. I, I, I'm struggling to keep my, my sorry, clothes, but I, on, do I don't know how supposedly the cleverest man on the planet would take one of these jabs. It doesn't fit with me. Oh. And that, that's all I have to say. Like, that's all I have to say. Like, the Is cleverest that two? Food, Is that he two? Had He's had two. Yeah. He's had two, but he tweeted recently saying that he, the first one was no problems. He said, but the second one nearly killed him. He said he felt yeah. like death. So, you know, I think by definition, you can't be the cleverest dude on the planet. Oh, I don't think he's the smartest man on the planet at all. No way. No way. He's 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 just he's just smart, but but the, <clears throat> there's a difference between because he, he works hard and a lot. Uh, and 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 he didn't make Tesla. You know, Tesla was kind of what he bought it. So, you know, he's a smart guy, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's not, you know, with, with everything and all that kind of stuff. But I I, I watched uh, an interview again with somebody saying that everything he does is through the prism of getting to Mars. So everything he does is, is designed in his eyes is to try and get him closer to getting to Mars. So if we all bear that in mind, if all this disclosure or him buying Twitter means that he can, you know, announce that there's actually aliens, which means he can use the technology that he's had stashed for years because he can't use it because there's been no disclosure. And then he can finally fly a rocket moon to Mars. That'll make sense as to why he's bought Twitter. <laughs> Maybe. But Maybe. he's having fun, isn't he? <laughs> Go enjoy the ride. Yeah, well, I think that's what Hopefully. we need to do at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Have some yeah. popcorn. We we need some light relief. And, we do. Uh, Elon yeah. is, is, I think, nothing more than that. But that's that's my yeah opinion. Hey, so it's it's all right just to have a little bit of an opinion because I, I said I said it doesn't mean I necessarily wholeheartedly believe it, but it's just floating around there. And and again, his actions are in favour of what we're trying to achieve. So that you know, in my eyes at the moment, he's doing all right. But you know, we'll have to see. I wouldn't leave my baby with him. <laughs> Put it that way. Okay, Dr. Ali Jad, thank you again for joining me. Stick around, all right? And uh, we'll have a little chinwag. Thanks, everybody, for joining me today. And thank you for all your support. And I'll see you again on the flip side. Much love, much respect. Take care, everybody.